Welcome back to Poolside Podcast. This is episode number 65, and I'm your host, Rachel Anthony. I just got off the phone with Bella Bucchiotti. She is from Vancouver, and I met her in Toronto when I was at the Under Armour Retreat in May. Um, She is a full-time travel blogger and Instagrammer, which is super interesting. I know that everybody wants to be a travel blogger or wants to know how people became travel bloggers. So I thought Bella was the perfect person to go into how she got into it and how she gets paid and how she sets up all of these trips and collaborations. She's super open about it and we talked a lot when we were in Toronto and so I thought she would be good to come on here and just talk about the influencer content creator in the travel space. Um, I don't have a ton of people on here that have talked about it. So I am excited to have her share her story with you. She talks about how she got into travel blogging and how she turned it into a full-time job. She actually dropped out of university to really focus in on doing this and it has worked out well for her so far. She talks about how she sets up these collaborations, what you can do to reach out to brands and when people are ready to be content creators that we talk about that there's no real number or type of account you have to have. It's really just about the content creation. She gives her practical advice for what you should do to grow your Instagram and get it where you want it to be for becoming a full-time content creator, even a side hustle content creator. Um, She talks about her type 1 diabetes and how they came to be and how she's been able to create a community on Instagram because of it. And she talks about all her favorite travel places and her number one travel spot. So let's get into it. It's a super interesting episode. Here is Bella. So let's just start. Do you want to introduce yourself, what you do, and give us two fun facts? All right. So hi, I'm Bella Bucchiotti. I'm a travel and lifestyle content creator and blogger. Uh, two fun facts about me. I am terrified of spiders and I think I'm, I'm a blah, blah, blah. I can't even speak this morning. It's so early. Um, <laughs> I'm terrified of spiders and I think I'm obsessed with my dog, Bo. But I think if people follow me on Instagram, they know that's pretty clear. <laughs> Definitely. I think we're all obsessed with Bo. So the fun fact for everybody. <laughs> um and do you want to share what your career path was before you started blogging we'll get into the blogging Instagram stuff after but where what were you doing before this happened so I was going to school to get my degree in therapeutic recreation after my first year was finished I made the decision to drop out and jump full-time into content creation and blogging cool um and how did you get started with blogging and Instagram Um, how are you able to turn it into a job? Because you say you just jumped into it, but some people I'm sure listening are like, what does that even mean? (laughs) Yeah, so I started my blog and Instagram in high school uh, just as something fun to do. I always liked photography and use those platforms as a way to share my photos of what I was doing and cooking and making. Um, I started to get paid campaigns and it really took off. I was finishing my first year of university and it was something that I really enjoyed, and that's why I decided to drop out, because um, it was doing way better than my job was going to be after university, so I made the decision that Instagram and blogging was going to be a better path for me. And how long were you 
doing your blog and Instagram before this happened? Um, like two years. Okay. And did you start as a blog and then move to Instagram or did you do it kind of at the same time? I started as a blog and then moved to Instagram. I honestly, I was in high school and I was like, oh my God, I don't want all these weird people following me on Instagram. <laughs> so I didn't take it off private for the longest time. And then I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'll do this. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. I feel like it's still like that now where you're like, oh, these weird people are following me. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> um, and do you want to, I don't know if you want to share, but do you want to just tell us like the first paid post you did and like kind of what that experience was like when you like got the email and this like what your experience was just getting paid for the first time because like I know for me it was like oh you're gonna pay me like cool so what was yours like <laughs> um so it was honestly a shock it was with a food company I have heard great things about them um there were a Canadian brand and I was like why am I getting this email like this is so weird like it must be fake so I really <laughs> honestly didn't reply or like clue into it for the longest time and then they followed up and I was like like to my mom I was like what do these people want from me <laughs> like why do they keep emailing me and because I really didn't think you could make money off of this job so it was honestly a shock to me but in the end I was super grateful that I got this opportunity and every time I do still get emails now it's like I'm so glad they reached out to me and this is like an opportunity I wouldn't have gotten to have if I didn't take that first leap like three four years ago now. Totally when I think that's a good mindset to go into it because you don't want to take for granted what you get to do because I feel like sometimes you're like oh I have to take these photos and I have to post but having that mindset you're like oh I do get get paid to do social media which is crazy yeah I agree <laughs> and now because I'm sure you get lots of emails and partnership and collaboration opportunities how do you decide which ones to actually pursue um, so I usually, uh, I try and work with brands that align well with me and my followers. If it isn't something that interests me, I will honest, honestly decline it because it well, doesn't fit me or my brand. That makes sense. And how do you, do you just tell that, tell them that when you reply to them or what's kind of the, your go-to response for collaboration? Uh, yeah, I'll usually say it doesn't align with my brand and say that it's not something I would be comfortable posting about, basically, because I never want to post something that doesn't work for me and my followers, basically. Totally. Um, and so I'm asking more, like, in-depth questions because I know a lot of people listen that either want to, like, get started as an influencer or getting into the blogging, social media realm. So if someone wants to become an influencer, which – Tell me how you feel about that in the first place, um, becoming an influencer now, um, and what are some of the first steps they should take? Uh, honestly, it's never too late to start being a content creator and influencer. I would say to work hard on your photography because in my experience, it's the strongest visible um, thing that performs well. Next, I would figure out what type of content you want to create and figure out what you need to do to be unique and different from everyone else on these platforms. I would make sure you start multiple platforms like I have Instagram, my blog, Pinterest, YouTube that I focus on and most of the time. The best advice is not to expect it to be easy. It takes a lot of work to grow the audience and create content on multiple platforms. I love it. Um, and how should someone decide like how to niche down? So how to become unique? Like what, what advice would you give them to, to decide which path to go on, if that makes sense? 
well, everyone's got their quirks and things that make them different. So I really just go for what makes you you because what makes you you is very different from what makes me me. Like not everyone is type one diabetic and has 14 different allergies. Like <laughs> there's very different things that everyone has that makes you unique. And I would just literally go for it. Totally. Love it. Um, let's just talk about type one diabetes for a second. Um, it was farther down on my list, but I remember when we were at the Under Armour retreat in Toronto, that was a huge part of like what you've now evolved your brand to be since that was like a recent thing. So, um, do you want to share how that happened and how you like took your audience on the journey with you? Um, cause it sounds kind of crazy, but it sounds like you also put a lot of it on social media. So do you want to just talk about that? Yeah, of course. Um, so I have been diagnosed with type 1 diabetes now for two years, almost three. Wow. Like it's, <laughs> can't believe it's been this long already. Um, so when I first got diagnosed, honestly, you know, you have those moms that are like, oh my God, you're over exaggerating on everything. So that's my <laughs> mom. So I was like, oh my mom, I'm so thirsty. By the way, it was summer. So she did mean this well. She's like, oh, Bella, you're probably dehydrated. Like you're fine. Like just drink water. But in my mind, I was drinking so much water that I felt like it was not natural to drink this much water. Uh, the following week, I got really blurry vision when I was driving home from Seattle back to Vancouver. And I called my mom. I was like, mom, I can hardly see. Like my vision's so blurry. And she's like, oh my gosh, Bella, you're over exaggerating. Like, just get home. Like, nothing's wrong with you. We'll just go get your eyes checked. I was like, oh, okay, whatever. Um, and then the next couple of days, I started losing, like, um, my leg kept falling asleep. And I was like, oh, okay, oh, whatever. I'll just walk it off. Like, no big deal. And then the next day, I went to the clinic, like, right when it opened at 7 a.m. And I was like, oh, well, like, I need a prescription. And then I was like, oh, yeah, by the way, all these weird things are happening to me. Um, they checked my blood, and it was at, like, a 30.9. And if you don't know type 1 diabetes, you're supposed to be at a 5 before you eat anything. So, yeah, that from there, I was diagnosed with type 1. It was a big shock because it doesn't run in my family. But my pancreas decided to stop working, which is really awesome. Uh, so now I have an insulin pump that does basically everything for me, which is super great for travel. Um, but yeah, in my mind, I was like, oh, type 1 diabetes, whatever. So like two weeks later, I went to Iceland. That probably wasn't the best idea for my health, but I did it anyways. <laughs> and you were open on Instagram. Did you share everything as it was happening or have you now kind of started putting it into your content? Um, I shared from the get-go that I was getting diagnosed, and honestly, the amount of love and, like, generosity that people, like, DM me or emailed me was just out of this world, um, and then from there, I started to follow more type 1 diabetics on Instagram, and they followed me, and, um, I've begun to be a part of this type 1 community on Instagram and online, and it's, so so nice because all of us are like oh there's no one like us but yet there's such a small good like clip of people online that have it it's so nice to have them around because we're all like you know what what settings are your insulin pump on or like how many what's your carb ratio and like you know if something's going on it's you know one message away from a person that doesn't really have to be near you but they've lived with it way longer than maybe I have and it's so nice to get that like 
not reassurance, but more like the help that you need without calling a doctor and being like, oh my God, this is happening to me. It's just talking to someone that's had it for way longer and they can give you like good advice from there. Right. When I feel like that's with like any community on Instagram, which is important to find, especially if you're creating that type of content, but find people that are also in those groups to create like actual relationships and social media is supposed Mm -hmm. to be social. Yeah. And do you want to just, just because I know it's a fun list of food, because I found this really interesting when we were out in Toronto, do you want to just give us a list of food you're not allowed to eat so everyone can oh my God, appreciate yes. your own diet? <laughs> People will be mindful about my dietary restrictions. So I'm allergic to gluten, dairy, eggs, cauliflower, bananas, crab, green peppers, whey, peanuts, broccoli, cucumbers, lemon, and pineapple. That's crazy. <laughs> I honestly, I thought it would be so much harder to eat when I'm traveling, but people are very understanding that just like give Bella some like green lettuce leaves and some chicken and she's good to go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And how do you find that traveling since you do a ton of traveling all the time? So how do you prepare for a trip like that? If, especially if it's like Um, not North America. Yeah. So, um, especially for my diet, it's, if I know I'm going to be hiking and stuff and I know the place, you know, isn't going to have a ton of food for me, like I'm going hiking in Switzerland. I'm hiking Mont Blanc for 10 days um, next week. So I, you know, bought a bunch of oatmeal packets and protein bars and peanut butter and crackers and stuff to have in my bags at all times because um, at night we're going to these huts and they're supposed to be cooking for us. But in my mind, I'm like, are they going to have things for me to eat? It's always better to be prepared or like not have food at all. So I always, you know, go on Amazon and order some like gluten-free oatmeal packets and like these little cute, like peanut butter and almond butter packets that are great for traveling. I always like to be prepared instead of like, oh, like it's lunch and dinner. I haven't eaten anything today. Like that's not good. So (laughs) It Especially if you're hiking. On the type of trip. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, and how do you decide where to go? So, Jonah, just walk us through kind of the process to decide like how these travel partnerships. Because I know everyone wants to be like a travel blogger. That's like everybody's dream goal. Um, so, how do you set up these types of trips? And are you paying for them, or are they paying, or how does that work? Um. So it depends. Um. So Mont Blanc one, I'll just do that because it's the one I'm going on that's most recent now. Um, so my Mont Blanc one, it's with G Adventure. So they're a um, a travel group that, you know, they go on like adventures and they have like different experiences you can go on in different countries. So I chose to do the hiking trip. Um, so they paid for my flight and the trek with the guide. Um, that I'd be going on but since I'm bringing a photographer I had to pay for his ticket um, to come and then um, for his compensation he didn't want um, money this time he just wanted to go on a trip beforehand so we picked Slovenia as the trip before which is great because I haven't seen it on Instagram a lot it's one of those like places that I've always wanted to explore and it looks really pretty but most people just go to like the one lake there and nowhere else So I was super intrigued to go there. So um, then I emailed the tourism board, not thinking they were going to answer because, you know, it's kind of short notice. They answered and they set us up with accommodations and stuff, which was super helpful for me. Um, So it ended up costing me like hardly any money, just like the flight for my photographer there, basically. Um, 
So that was really nice. So it's going to be super fun. And it's always nice to partner with Cheers and Boards because they always want you to explore places that not many people go to. And then it's really cool to explore those places and show people that, you know, you don't have to go to the same stupid lake or the same castle or the same hike that everyone goes on. There's like so many places to explore and destinations. Totally. When I think everyone is now getting, like, I know when I travel, I only look at blogs to find places to go to. So I think it's important for bloggers to actually like think about that and show all these different places because that's where everyone's getting their information from now. Exactly. And like Pinterest is a big one for me. Like I even look on Pinterest before I go on a trip and see like what people's blog posts have been. And then I write down what none of them had so that I can make sure I have them on my um, blog posts. Cause when sometimes when you look at blogs and you're like, Oh yeah, I did this hike. It was this long. They're not very descriptive though ever. And like me, I love hiking and like, I'm not a big stay at the hotel and lay on the beach kind of person. I'm more of a let's go outside and explore. So for me, when people don't really write, write a lot of information, it's kind of like, oh, so I'll just have to keep Googling and Googling until I figure this out. But I always make sure to have that information on my blog. So it's not that someone has to do the same thing I did, like Google forever. Because <laughs> that takes too long sometimes. Like some people just want to go on Pinterest or a blog and be like, okay, this hike took this long. You take this path, done, like 10 minutes later, not two hours later, basically. <laughs> totally. I even find that with blog or with blogs, with uh, hikes here, like in Alberta, I'm, or I guess you're in BC, but same thing where I'm like, want to find a hike. And I'm like, well, how do I get there? And where do I park? And like, what if I get lost? Like, please give me the exact information that I need to do this hike. So exactly. I feel like it's, no one is giving enough information. <laughs> um, and you touched upon bringing your photographer and paying for your photographer. So do you want to just talk about how important it is to pay for photography and really like valuing, valuing all of our services and time? Yeah, so um, I work with a couple of different photographers. Um, so I have um, different photographers for all my different types of, you know, things I do. So my one photographer, she's super awesome. She'll do all my producty shots that are like more indoorsy and more like closer up. Um, then I have my guy who's coming hiking with me, who's the ride or die, will hike no matter what, and just wants to have fun, basically. Um, but for me, it's always important to pay people. Um, even when people reach out to me and they want to, like, take photos with me, I'll always offer them some money as well because it's their time and my time, and it's like, I'm getting photos, but what are they getting? So I always love to pay people for their time and effort and editing that goes into everything that they do. I think it's really important, especially on like campaigns. Um, it's I'm getting paid, so they should be getting paid. So it's, I like to make it beneficial for both parties. That's why on a lot of my travel things, I make sure it's a place that my photographers also want to go and explore. So they're not like, oh, I've already been here. Like, this is stupid, like blah, blah, blah. I always want to make it so it's beneficial for both parties. It's fun for both parties and everyone's doing something that they like to do, especially traveling. You're traveling with someone for like five to 10 days. It's like, oh gosh, like, are they going to like me after this trip? So if you make it beneficial for both parties, no one's complaining. Everyone gets what they want. They know going into it, this is what it's going to be like. And it's not like, oh, I'm just taking pictures of this girl and she's, what am I getting? And like, that's what I don't really like sometimes when you see it on Instagram is like, oh, I hope they paid these people because that probably took them a lot of time to do out of their day. <laughs> right. Totally. Um, 
And do you know these photographers before? Like, are they from Vancouver or do you find people like on Instagram, either like who want to do traveling photography? Um, so most of the time when I'm in Vancouver, I'll use photographers in Vancouver. Um, the one that's coming to me with piping, he's from Vancouver, but, um, I also travel quite a bit from a photographer with a photographer from Paris. Her name's Mary. She is absolutely amazing. I met her in Paris like two years ago. Um, I shot with her once and we had such a great connection. So anytime I'm in Europe, it's easier for me to pay for her to fly somewhere else and meet me, or I meet her in Paris and we take the train somewhere together. Um, I find that really easy because then you're not paying like, you know, $1,200 for someone to fly from Vancouver to Europe. It, and it's really nice to use someone in the area because they know where all the secret spots are. They know where everything, you know, is and all that kind of stuff. Even when I'm in the States, um, I'll sometimes reach out to photographers in the area that I'm in to shoot with because um, they know where to go. They know when the best lighting is. They will know when it's not crowded. And it's nice to have a, like, a view of someone's, like, a perspective from someone that actually lives there. Totally. Well, because then you're not, like, both looking for, like, the places you already saw the photos. It kind of goes back to what you, what you said about finding the different places. So if someone's local, they know kind of, like, the hidden gems of wherever you're going. Exactly. Um, and how do you piece together enough, like, collaborations and sponsorships and stuff to make this a full-time income because I'm sure there's months that are like higher than others yeah uh so like some months are obviously going to be like not as good as others <laughs> I'm being very honest like you have to work very hard like it, the effort you put in is the effort you get back basically um so for a while I didn't have an agency and it was just me reaching out to people or um most of my work is from people emailing me directly um I try and work with brands on a long-term partnership just because it always, you know, is definitely way more organic when you're working with them for a year or six months instead of, you know, I'm working with Dasani this week and then Bubbly the next week and then Perrier the week after. Like, it's not all these different brands. You're just like working with the brands you like for a long period of time and then it's more beneficial for them and you as well. Um, And do you set up, so I think we talked about this briefly uh, in Toronto, you mentioned, do you set up like a whole plan for the year, kind of what partnerships you're going to do, or do you just like do it as the emails come in? Do you have like a strategy? Um, so in January, I usually make a trip to New York and a trip to Toronto and meet with a bunch of PR firms and reps um, for brands and the companies and stuff. And I meet face to face with them. It's honestly a great way to get to know the brand or the company or PR firm. And it's a great way to show them that you're eager to work with them. We're eager to work with one of their brands. And it's always nicer to email someone that you've met before instead of like, Oh, so do they sound mad over this email or like, what's happening? <laughs> you never know when you've never met them unless you've had a call with them. So those like meetings in January are super important for me because I find them so beneficial because you get to meet people face to face. Like I don't live in New York or Toronto, so it's not like I can go to events all the time and meet the reps and PR people. 
So for me, it's like a one foot forward kind of thing, which is really great. I don't technically plan a bunch in ahead. I'll usually plan a couple months in ahead for like what countries and places I would like to go to. Just so you know, it's like um, when I do email brands to pitch, I'm like, hey, so like I'm going to this destination. I'm just wondering if you guys had any campaigns coming up that would work for this destination, these spots kind of thing. Because um, it's always great to shoot product, you know, in a different country and stuff we're in a pretty place than in like the same old Vancouver, same old Calgary. Like it kind of gets old after a bit. <laughs> I totally agree. It's so much, you feel more creative when you're somewhere else too. That is just makes the whole process yeah. easier. It's like, it's like the light shines up again. It's like, Oh my God, you, you're creative again. <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, and if someone was just starting out, because I know a lot of people like they want to do social media, they're doing Instagram, but then they don't really know how to like, take it to the next step where they have like collaborations or sponsorships so what would you say for someone who hasn't done any collaborations like how should they reach out to people how should they find brands to work with what's your advice on that um so when I first started out I I kind of reached out to I like googled obviously big googler here um I Googled like uh, PR firms and stuff that I wanted to reach out to and I sent them my media kit and I sent them information about me and like, you know, stuff that would be beneficial for them. And I just reached out in a nice way, like, hey, this is me. Like, I just want to like share who I am kind of thing. Um, maybe we can hop on a call sometime. It's always really great to show people you're very interested in not just, you know, what brands they have, but you're interested in like, getting to know them as a PR company because they're always switching brands as well. So it makes you seem really nice and lovely. Like for me, even after every campaign I do with a company, I send a handwritten card saying thank you. And it has a picture of me and Bo on the front, like who can resist Bo? But you know, it's always those little extra things that you do to like put your foot, foot, oh, your foot forward. <laughs> Clearly I'm not very good at speaking today. <laughs> And do you think there's like a certain number of followers people should have or when do you think someone is ready to reach out to companies? Honestly, if you have great, amazing content, I just go for it. Don't think low of yourself because you're not at a hundred or 10 or whatever you need to be at these days. Like I follow a girl who has like 3k and her images are so creative and so amazing. And I was like, why does she not get more campaigns? Like she's so amazing. Like I'm just mind blown at the creativity of people out there on Instagram that aren't doing more with it. Um, I think everyone should be very confident in what they're doing. And if you got that something, I would reach for it. Like, don't be scared. <laughs> the worst thing people can say is, no, not right now. And the best thing you can say is, okay, that's awesome. Thank you so much for emailing me back. Like, you know, you should be scared for a no. You're going to get a lot of no's in life. So. <laughs> totally. <laughs> when there's like unlimited brands and companies and everything on the internet. So I totally agree with that, especially exactly. because there's so many, there's so many accounts that are like big and they've been around for a long time and their content isn't great but they it was just a different time that they started so if people are going to be creative and create this content I think now is the time to really you'll really shine through totally um and where do you think Instagram and influencer marketing is headed I think we'll continue to grow with a focus of um 
evergreen content such as blog and YouTube content on these platforms has a longer life and gets views and the long term while Instagram was rather short lived and short lived exposure. So something on my blog and YouTube gets views over and over and over again, as is Instagram, it's just those 48 hours. So I've made it very like, key when I'm talking to brands now I'm like okay well let, let's do something on my blog too so you get traffic through the whole year instead of like just the 48 hours because Instagram's great for those short-term things but long-term I find that you know blogging and YouTube are obviously better um like I have a muffin recipe I made when I first started blogging it still gets multiple multiple views like a day on it and I'm just mind blown by it because it's not even good photography <laughs> Totally. I actually have like, I don't even do recipes in my blog anymore. And I have some weird recipe that I put up like four years ago that still gets, and I was like, where is this even living on the internet? But people are still like clicking through, which I think also is important. You said like Pinterest, I think people underestimate Pinterest since like no one really knows what to do with it. But I feel like because those live, they live there forever. Yeah. Pinterest is the, one of the best tools you can have with your blog because so many people use Pinterest and it's so amazing like hands down one of my favorite other platforms besides like my blog and Instagram totally and I think people just like don't realize that but especially if you're trying to like grow your audience and grow your traffic that people should start using Pinterest like properly totally um okay a couple more questions We'll go back to traveling just a little bit because obviously everyone loves listening to travel. Um, so <laughs> where's the coolest place that you've traveled to? Not necessarily like a oh. collaboration, but just in general. Oh, hands down, best trip I've ever been on, uh, Norway. Like favorite, favorite, favorite place. I highly recommend it to anyone that loves outdoorsy things or cute little towns because it has cute little fishing towns. It has great hikes, northern lights, essence in the water. Like it is hands down amazing. Like I would move there in a heartbeat type thing. Like it's great. <laughs> wow. We will all add Norway to our list now. <laughs> If I don't see like Instagram and pictures blowing up with Norway from y'all, I'm going to be <laughs> upset. <laughs> um, and you mentioned you're hiking. Is that your the next trip you have planned? Yes. So I'm going to Switzerland and I'm going to hike Mont Blanc. So you start in Switzerland and then you get to Italy and then you end in France. So it's a really big hiking trip. We hike uh, 10 to 15 kilometers a day. It's with the tour group Tree Adventure. Um, I'm really excited because, yes, I do really big hikes here in Vancouver, but this will be my longest hiking trip I've ever been on. Um, so hopefully I come back alive. Fingers crossed. <laughs> um, and there's no service there for 10 days. So I'm going to be off the grid for a bit. So which will be really nice because it feels like I haven't been off my phone in like four years. Um. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That will be amazing to take like an actual break. Yes. Cool. Um, and is there a book or podcast you'd recommend to listeners? Ooh, that's a tough one. I love Breen Brown Brooks. She's so motivating and amazing. And I've literally listened to all of her like YouTube videos and Ted talks. And I've read all of her books. <laughs> She's a motivating lady. I would recommend. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Okay. And where can people find you, find your Instagram, find your blog and your Pinterest? 
Um, so um, people can connect with me best on Instagram. I'm there every day. My handle is Bella Bucciati and through email as well. Um, I always love connecting with my followers or anyone that has any questions regarding travel or type 1 diabetes or food allergies or basically everything on the planet. Um, <laughs> I am pretty active on everything and I try and answer everyone on all platforms. Do you want to just uh, spell your last name so people can can get yes. that? Um, <laughs> okay. It is Bella, and then B-U-C-C-H-I-O-T-T-I, and it is a pink icon with the sweater that says Bella on the back. It's not hard to find. If you can't, you can look at my blog, xoxobella.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing. I always find this so interesting, and I know people all want to be travel bloggers, like I said, so I'm sure everyone will love this episode. <laughs> well you know what anyone can do it as long as they want to put in the hard work to do it <laughs> it's not everyone's cup of tea sometimes I get a little frustrated but you know as long as you got passion you can do anything basically <laughs> I love it that was very Brene Brown motivational of you <laughs> <laughs> yes it's all catching on to me <laughs> <laughs> awesome well thank you it was great chatting again hopefully let me know if you're ever in Calgary of course. Thanks so much, girl.